Oh, what is the upskis, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 77, Victor Hedman, my boy, and I better I better mention Ray Bork or I'll probably get attacked in the streets. So Ray Bork of my little hockey show where once a week I go through all of the news and the major happenings in the NHL mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames because those are my two favorite teams, but I can talk about all 32 teams in the league. So what are we talking about this week? Well, we're going to be talking about Nashville. They've been they've been uh, quietly hot in the league lately. We got to talk about the Corey Perry situation in Chicago. We're going to be talking about the Charan and Maple Leafs and the the superstars in Toronto maybe not uh, being so superstar like. And I really want to start out this episode with the Minnesota Wild, who are not as wild as you expect. Uh, one of the more <clears throat> plucky teams over the last few seasons and since their existence honestly kind of the more at least in my opinion the more forgettable teams in the NHL I mean they've always just kind of been there for me personally uh until Kaprizov showed up and I was like whoa actually no before Kaprizov there's Gabrick Gabrick was pretty freaking sick player so fast but yeah, Minnesota as a franchise hasn't had a whole lot of success. They haven't been around all that long. I think they came into the league in 2000. So, you know, I mean, you know, 23 years, that's that's long enough. But not a lot of uh, very big ups for the Minnesota Wild. And yeah, they have been struggling mightily this season. Way more than anyone was expecting. Pretty sure I had them making it into the playoffs maybe as a wild card fringe team. I was a little bit lower on the wild than uh, maybe some other people were. And, you know, they've they've done a really good job considering with all the cap uh, recap, or not the recapture, the cap problems that they have with Parise and Suter. And the teams did pretty good up until this season with those struggles. So now it's like really implemented they have, I think it's $11 million of dead cap on the salary. So, yeah, now it's really starting to hurt them. They're losing Dumba. They lost Fiala to the Los Angeles uh, Kings over the last couple seasons. So, yeah, now the damage is really starting to show on the roster. And, you know, they're taking, they took some gambles on guys that had really good seasons like Hartman. Felino's been there for a long time and he's the heart and soul, but. You know, what was that, 20-goal season? I think he had. He's not really been anywhere around that ever since. So, And even Kirill the Thrill has been struggling a little bit this season as well. He's putting up points, but in terms of Kaprizov numbers, he's not putting up Kaprizov numbers this season. And Boldy hasn't... I mean, that's the shitty thing um, about the younger players in Minnesota right now. Like, last season, it was Rossi who was struggling to make his way into the NHL. And Boldy had a really good year last season. I thought he did quite well. And he's got the big contract now. And he has been str- he has been fighting it this season for sure. And uh, thankfully, Rossi has been doing better this season. And uh, I-, I will shout out... Uh, Joel Erickson Eck. He's been having a good year. Probably one of the brighter spots, I would say, on the Minnesota Wild. And there's not a lot of them. So then there's the goaltending. So the goaltending has been 
ugly, man. It's been ugly, and what a drop-off with, with Gustafson. This is the thing with goaltenders, man. One year, they're fucking Superman, and then the next year, they're literally bottom of the league. Like, it's crazy how this happens. That's why goaltenders are so very risky, and you don't see them getting locked into long-term deals unless their name is, like, Sorokin, Vasilevsky, Shishirkin, those kind of guys. Not many guys get the big long-term deals, and, you know, thankfully... Uh, Gustafson didn't get locked in long term with the Minnesota Wild at least when they first signed that contract for the numbers that he put up last year he was tops in the league he had like a two goals against average he was fantastic and um, they gave him like a three three year three million dollar three and a half million dollar deal and I was like shit that is, that could be absolutely fantastic what a bargain fits the mold perfectly for a team that's going to be cap strapped for a little bit that's uh that was going to be a a kind of contract that could really really help out minnesota uh not really comparable to shesterkin like shesterkin was uh okay he's pretty good he's pretty good then they gave him the contract they gave him money they gave him five million dollars and at the time when he signed that everyone was like oh shit that could be ugly and then within 10 games of that contract, everyone's like, oh shit, he's pretty fucking unreal. Oh wow, that is one of the best bargains in the league. So I looked at that contract, uh, maybe that could be something similar for the Minnesota Wild. They can get this good, young, up-and-coming goaltender and on a good contract. And yeah, this season he's absolutely fallen off of a cliff. It's been ugly, man. It's been ugly. Marc-Andre Fleury, you can't really put it on his shoulders. He's like 40 now. You'd be... You know, he's done better. He's played better out of the two goaltenders, but he's not out there saving the Minnesota Wild from their struggles this season. And yeah, so the it's the, the guillotine has fallen in Minnesota. Dean Evison has been fired as the head coach. And, you know, with with Dean Evison, it seemed like a love him or hate him kind of coach. Uh, some people really liked how he how angry he always seemed to be and how much he looked like Creed from the office. Can't say I know too much about Dean Evanson. That's that's basically the brunt of what I know about him is that he was rather angry and looked like Creed, but uh there was definitely some questions around his coaching, especially around the that younger defenseman that Minnesota just traded uh to San Jose. They brought in Bogosian. I for like two up two weeks now, I keep forgetting to talk about that trade, but that trade went down. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the trade, but Minnesota traded away the young defenseman to San Jose, cleared up some cap space. They weren't using him. He seemed to be in the doghouse with Evanson for a very long time now, so they're like, okay, we're not going to use him. San Jose's like, fuck, we can use a guy, a nice young defenseman that we can put on the power play, and he's done fine since he's been there in San Jose, doing a lot better than uh, in Minnesota where they weren't using him. So Minnesota was able to make a trade with Tampa and bring in Bogosian. It was, it works. I mean, Bogosian is a guy that they look like they want to use. I like Bogosian. I'm a fan of Bogosian. Former Toronto Maple Leaf right there. Wish he would have stayed bet that was a thing that went down so maybe Evanson isn't necessarily getting the most or getting what he should be getting out of the roster so they bring in John Hines which you know is interesting he's had uh, not the best track record you know uh, didn't have uh, such a great run with the New Jersey Devils you know, didn't really get goaltending over there and he didn't have that much success in Nashville either where he did have goaltending it just didn't work out there either so I don't think the bar is going to be set too high for him here in Minnesota it's his goal coming in is going to be 
got to get Kirill Kaprizov going. You got to get him back out there doing his thing. And it's tough for him because, I mean, the guys, there's not a whole lot of support around Kaprizov on this team right now. Like, Hartman's struggling. Zuccarello's doing okay, but he's not doing as, like, everyone's pretty much a down overall. Except for, like like I said, Joel Erickson doing pretty fucking good. Uh, I like that player. He's a good little player. Kind of underrated, but... He's going to have to start getting a little bit more, and generally with uh, firing of coaches, it does usually get a spark out of the team, uh, out of the gate. We'll see how long that goes and how long John, uh, John Hines sticks around. I wish him the best. Like, hopefully it works out and he can turn it around for Minnesota. Uh, they were an exciting team there for a little bit. It was fun. Again, I, I didn't necessarily jump on the... Kirill the Thrill train with Minnesota. I like Kirill. He's a fun little player for sure, but I'm not all the way there with Minnesota. So there's that. And we're not done with Minnesota. They've had a, a pretty hefty week in uh, in terms of news. So back to Mark andre Fleury. He was wearing the... He wearing this really nice mask uh, representing uh, Native American heritage on the on the Heritage Night, and you know the NHL said, "Hey, don't wear that. We don't want you to wear that during the warmups." And it's like, what the fuck, NHL? Like it's for charity. He's wearing it for charity. It was made and painted, hand painted by um, I believe someone Native American. So like just all around good and the NHL's like no no good no fun no happiness and they're going to donate the mask to charity again the NHL basically but like eating itself like eating its own tail it's just god they're so stupid sometimes and again so Mark andre Fleury goes out wears the mask big old fuck you to the NHL and the NHL just sat there and took it because what can they do? If they're going to go out and discipline Flurry, if they're going to fine him or the team, that's what they said. They were, you know, oh, if you go out and wear the mask, we're going to fine the team. We're going to fine you. And it's like, go ahead. Like, Marc-Andre Flurry, one of the most beloved players in NHL history. Like, go, go to, like, try it. Just try it. So, th- thankfully, the NHL didn't. I wouldn't have been shocked if they just, bam, here's a $250,000 fine to the, to the Minnesota Wild. Here's a what, a $20,000 fine to Marc-Andre Fleury, and they would have, like, graciously eaten it and maybe sent some more money to the charity, which I heard the auction for that mask has gone up to, like, upwards of, like, $14,000, which is fantastic for charity, and I believe this whole, the whole story around the NHL saying don't wear the mask has actually increased the value of the mask. So, bam, there you go. The NHL just continues to get in its own way and makes it one of the more unlikable leagues out there just whew. so that's ugly but for the Minnesota Wild hopefully it's a turning point and the other major thing with the Minnesota Wild has been their penalty kill it has been <laughs> atrocious absolutely atrocious I'll pull up the number I should just pull up the numbers for the Minnesota Wild we'll take a look all right now we got the numbers in front of us so yeah it's it's really friggin' ugly so goals Goals per game, they're 19th at 2.95, middle of the pack. So uh, goals against per game, they're 3.8030, first in the league. So yeah, really, really bad. And their 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 specialty teams is is really rough. So power play, 16%, 24th in the league. And then their penalty kill is is on a legendary uh, bad pace right now, 68.5%, 32nd in the league. That is the worst in the league, and I don't even know how close that is. So really, really rough. We'll look at the, the team stats overall. So Gustafson, we'll take a look here. So 12 games, 
Three wins, six losses, two overtime losses, 3.68 goals against, and an 886 save percentage. So I feel like his numbers have come up, but yeah, an 886 is well below the average. And Marc-Andre Fleury, actually, numbers aren't much better. 346 goals against average, 875 save percentage with three wins as well in nine games. So not, not ideal, so... Matt Zuccarello is actually doing pretty well. 22 points in 22 games. We're looking at Joel Erickson-Eck with the 20 20 games, 18 points, 11 goals. So he's doing really well with the goals. But Kirill the Thrill at under a point a game, the minus nine sticks out. I mean, it's... It should probably be a little bit worse than that, but yeah, they're not getting a lot of depth scoring whatsoever. They have been dealing with some injuries with their back end. I know Jared Spurgeon has been missing some games, and I think, well, hold on now. Let me see. Where is Brodeen here? I feel like Brodeen has been doing actually pretty well for the team. He is a, a plus seven. Brock Faber has a pretty decent season going for himself. But yeah, Minnesota Wild aren't doing very good. And cap-wise, they're in, they're in cap hell, man. They got base, zero cap space. They got like $50,000 left in cap space. And they have a lot of these like... Like, some of these are good, but the Minnesota are in this, like, really weird spot, right? Like, they got these young guys. They got Kirill locked in on a pretty nice deal for the next, uh, this year and two more after this at nine. They locked in Boldy for a long time for $7 million. Zuccarello, they gave him him an extension. He's 36 years old now, so, I mean, that's a contract that makes sense for a team that's competing, but is that a contract that... Could they move that at the trade deadline? Like, I don't know. With that extension, like, yeah, he takes the haircut in the money. But what makes what's been making Zuccarello a really good player over the last few years has been his chemistry with Kirill the Thrill. So if you move him off to another team, is he going to be as successful? He's 36. Uh, Yoel Eriksson-Eck, I think, is on a fantastic deal. Uh, I really like that player. I don't think there's anything wrong with him uh, with his production at $5.25 million. I'm good with that. Uh, then you got the Marcus Felino. He's been extended, getting a little bit of a raise at $4 million starting next year and, and and that's that's five that's five more years so that's going to be rough and it's you know he's 32 already he's had a really crash and bang kind of career so that's he's gonna probably drop off pretty pretty quickly right there they locked in Freddie Goudreau for five years for some reason they uh not getting the production out of Marcus Johansson this year Ryan Hartman they extended gave him a nice raise to 1.7 up to four million dollars he's also suspended by the way so that happened. I don't know why, but yeah, he's suspended, so that's happening. Yeah, man, so it's a really weird team. Patrick Maroon has come out and said like he's sick and tired of the of the losing. No doubt he's the one-man dynasty. He's gone to, what, three straight Stanley Cup finals, so I imagine the losing in Minnesota uh, is getting quite tiresome for him. No doubt, no doubt for sure. So, uh, it's, you know, it's I don't want to put uh, Minnesota in the ground just yet, but uh, they would have to go on like a pretty extensive winning streak uh, with the new coach to get out of this one. So it's going to be tough for Minnesota. It might just not be their year, man. Like it, it's you know it was bound to happen that there there was going to be some pain in the in the years where they're going to be eating the the cap of Parise and Suter and. 
we can look back in hindsight was that the right decision like should you have just kept those guys around they're still playing NHL games while Suter is uh, Parise isn't signed right now but he scored 20 goals last season you know was it was it worth it in we'll see it's I think it's it's not done yet uh, but if they miss this year and next then we'll you know maybe they should have just kept the guys but there you go that's the Minnesota talk for this episode so let's move on to the big thing that's been going on over the last week in the Corey Perry situation so I'm not going to get into too much of the salacious rumors because that's pretty much all shut down now uh, we all heard about the Bedard's mom stuff and it's pretty gross honestly like how how crazy that took off like I don't know where it came from we all heard I heard about it from <clears throat> friends and and everyone was talking about it and like it like you hear it and you're like okay like with the whole thing around Chicago like you know I I'm I wasn't going to say like oh that 100% happened I was talking with my friend I'm like yeah it's be- it's absolutely believable <laughs> that this kind of thing would happen uh just with the craziness around Chicago lately but um you know, I was thinking it's like Corey Perry has a family and people were off and running and we're just not, we weren't getting any answers. So people are coming up with all these crazy theories that Perry slept with Bedard's mom and all of that stuff. So, you know, underneath all of, of people having fun and coming up with all these crazy theories and stuff like that, you know, there is a 18 year old young kid that's going to be getting affected even though honestly he has been holding himself very composed throughout this whole thing from what I've been hearing like he hasn't shown like a flinch really at what has been going on I don't know if anyone's really brought it up to him in interviews like oh hey have you heard what's going on with Corey Perry and your mom but he you know he's he's still playing hockey he's doing good but Corey Perry removed from the Chicago Blackhawks they are they bought out they terminated his contract he's done he's cleared waivers and and that's that no one's claimed him no one was going to claim Corey Perry on the four million dollars now someone may sign him for sure I think someone more than likely is going to sign Corey Perry is it going to be for four million dollars I doubt it but he was third in scoring on the Chicago Blackhawks so he was doing okay like Honestly, I I would not be mad if the Toronto Maple Leafs went knocking at that door because, you know, they they looked at him before. I think they that was when they chose Wayne Simmons. But uh, shit, dude. I mean, Corey Perry would be a, a pretty nice addition. Now we don't know what he did. I have no idea what he did. All we know is that he terminated something within his contract. There was some sort of misconduct and. That's essentially where it's at. There's rumors that it was with uh, some someone in the Columbus organization. Doesn't matter. It's all it's that's what it's at. They're not going to talk about it because I believe there is you know there was an ongoing investigation, so they weren't allowed legally to really talk about it. But that's what it is. It's unfortunate because you know Corey Perry brought in there to be a shepherd for Connor Bedard, and then you know having your contract terminated for misconduct not a good look you know not necessarily the looks like the guy you want shepherding what is going to be your next superstar face of the NHL so yeah so I guess you know it's hard to compliment Chicago but at least they they got in ahead of this right away and they just terminated him right away like it was I think during a practice they just like pulled him off the ice like brought out the the fucking hook and they're like yoink pulling them off the ice you're out of here you're fired you're gone and maybe at some point we will find out what happened but more than likely not so 
it is a thing that happened. Everybody was talking about it, but hopefully, you know, people can calm down with that and maybe just relax. Like, I don't go on Twitter. I don't look at those ugly conversations that have been going on, but I am listening to podcasts and those guys are on those on those websites and, and hearing and seeing these conversations. And apparently it's gotten pretty ugly. So, you know, grow up and let's just uh, move on. And, you know, we'll... Uh, they also, oh fuck, who did they bring in? They just signed someone as well, Chicago did. Uh, oh, they made that trade to bring in, uh, I think it was Bolivier they brought in here from the Vancouver Canucks. I should be a lot better prepared, but oh, oh, there's the trades and signings. So what, they brought in Bolivier. Here we go. Okay, we just got to wait for it to sign. Here we go. Bam. Chicago Blackhawks acquiring Anthony Bolivier and the Vancouver Canucks acquire a fifth round pick. Now, that might look like a steal of a deal for, for in terms to some people because it's like, oh, Anthony Bolivier, like he was, uh, a, I think, a first round pick at one point, a fairly decent prospect at times. I think he scored 20 goals at a point in his career and, and trading him off for a fifth round pick. I mean, pretty, pretty tasty work there for Chicago, you would think, but it's mostly about trading away the cap space of Bolivier. So he's only 26 years old. So, I mean, it fits the mold for Chicago. You're getting a younger player. Let's take a look at his career stats. I don't want to look at his MLB stats, but you know, he he hit 20 goals early in his career, and then he's never really hit it again. He hasn't been a 20-goal scorer since 2017-2018, but who knows? Maybe he can find a home here with the Chicago Blackhawks. It doesn't seem to have worked out with uh, Vancouver, you know, in the 55 games that he played. He only put up 28 points, which isn't bad, but, you know, I, th- I was thinking they were maybe hoping for a guy that's making $4 million to crack into that top six. Wasn't getting a whole lot done this season, only the two goals and eight points in 22 games was a plus eight. So he wasn't like a net negative on the team, but Vancouver needing to free up cap space and Chicago needing to add roster players to the team. So uh, a good NHL trade right here. So Bolivier hopefully can find his way. Uh, 15 goals maybe would be if he can connect with Connor Bedard, you know, they're, they're still trying to find something for Connor Bedard because well, sadly Taylor Hall, is done he is done for the entire season he's out and fuck man Taylor Hall he's gonna go down as one of the more interesting careers uh throughout my time as uh, as watching hockey man like this first overall pick he got remember that time he fucking his own teammate like stepped on his face with the skate and oh my god like that was ridiculous he's been on like three different teams that have gotten the first overall pick like he's got this crazy record with that he wins the heart in New Jersey and it was like what the fuck like such a weird career and then all this injury problems with Chicago right now he just can't stay healthy and dang so Connor Bedard's going to be looking for wingers and Bolivier might be someone that can do it I know I think it's Kurashev has had some nice chemistry with Bedard but he's slowing down a little bit and um yeah man so Chicago's still puttering along it's not like the expectations are high with Chicago they're still towards the bottom of the league if not 31st in the league right now with with uh, San Jose but a decent hockey trade right there it'll be interesting to see what Vancouver is going to do with their new cap space uh, in the past they haven't done very well when they've uh, found some cap space they tend to uh, 
you know, use that cap space very, very quickly. So, you know, there are rumors and, and talks that Vancouver ha- are interested in the Calgary Flames defensemen. So since we are on the topic of the Canucks, let's let's talk about the Canucks now because, they're, you know, it's already begun the conversation of are the Canucks for real or not? Because they lost to the San Jose Sharks, everyone's like, oh, fuck, they're falling apart. It's already happening. But I think we need to just settle down a little bit because we all knew that Vancouver should be coming down to earth at some point. They were going on a absolutely insane PDO bender. Their shooting percentage was off the charts. Everything was going Vancouver Canucks. Everything was coming up Millhouse in terms of the Vancouver Canucks. So eventually they were going to come down to earth a little bit, but I think people are over overdoing it with how much they're going to come down to earth like they're all they're going to come all the way back down to the fucking bottom of the league earth no I don't think so I still think the Vancouver Canucks are in a pretty safe place yes they lost to the San Jose Sharks but same thing with the San Jose Sharks like they're gonna have to kind of rise up a little bit because they were just doing so awful so San Jose is going to start winning a little bit more and Vancouver was bound to start losing a little bit more because everything like shooting percentage wasn't going to stay the way that it was. So, yes, they lose to the San Jose Sharks, but they came back and beat the Ducks three to one. So, yeah, their their record hasn't been as pretty lately, like back to back losses to Calgary and Seattle came back and beat San Jose, then they came and lost to Colorado, came back with a win, and then lost to San Jose, and then back with the win from the Ducks. So, at worst, they lost two games in a row. I don't think it's it's time to, ra- to, to wave the white flag, like, oh, jeez, it's panic time in Vancouver, we're done for. But, I think, again, with the whole Bolivier thing, freeing up that cap space, they're doing well at scoring. I think what they want to do is fix up the back end a little bit, add some more depth. So I think Vancouver, they're ready to reward their good start, and they're ready to reward their team with a little bit of help by the looks of it with that trade. Now, what's it going to be? A Vancouver defenseman. There's some talks with the Columbus defenseman with, I think it's Peak and Jake Bean and guys like that. Not as appealing, um... In terms of name value, like there's de- like you got Zadorov, you got Tanev, you got potentially Hannafin in Calgary. There's definitely uh, better name value there in Calgary, and potentially better defensemen. I don't know very very much about Geek. I think that's his name. Or no, sorry, Peak Peak. And uh, Bean, I've heard he's been kind of around the league, shown flashes, had potential, and he just hasn't quite reached that potential quite yet. So I don't know who Vancouver is going to go after. I mean, they have done deals with Calgary before, if I'm not mistaken. Did they not uh, flop Tanev and Markstrom between themselves before? So, you know, I feel like there is a little bit of an awkwardness trading within your division, but... You know, with Calgary, again, we'll talk about Calgary in a moment, but, you know, Calgary looks like they're almost ready to just kind of sell off the farm and, and move down, and, and Vancouver's ready to move up. So, you know, if, if they're not meeting in the playoffs, it won't be that big of a deal, and maybe they only move a Tanev over to Vancouver, an older player. If they move a Hannafin and, you know, they lock in Hanovin somehow to a long-term deal, and then, you know, that's that's a guy you're going to have to deal with on the regular, in your division, a player that used to be on your team, and now he's on the enemy team, you know, putting putting in the business against you, not something you want, so I don't know if they are going to make a deal with Calgary, but the Vancouver Nucks, I think they're fine, I think they'll, they'll get back, and they'll 
balanced out. They're just balancing out right now. I, I don't see any reason to panic. They have a pretty big game coming up tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. That's going to be a really interesting game to see. You know, they, they have been, you know, losing to some of the bigger teams, you know, not beating... Colorado Avalanche. I think this one is going to be rather important for the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Pull out the win, but, you know, they're still doing really good, man. Like, all around, guys are still getting their points. I know Talk, I really like Talkit in the way that he's handling this team right now. Uh, he's not letting them get too high. Like, again, I love when Pedersen had, I think it was the three goal, f four points, and he calls out Pedersen, like, oh, you shit, he was giving away the puck, this and that. Don't let them get too cocky, but don't let them get too low. Like, even during this so-called little uh, slump that they're in right now, he's not bad-mouthing the players and bringing them down-down. You know, he, there's a good balance, and I think Talkett has done a fantastic job. He could, he could fuck around the way that they're playing right now. He could be in the Jack Adams conversation. I would say right now he would definitely be in that conversation. We'll see how it goes for the Vancouver Canucks going forward. But let's move on to the Calgary Flames. So, interesting, you know, they've been kind of just puttering around right now uh trying to figure i think they're trying to figure it out what they want to do so it looks like they are solidified at keeping the young guns up and i think great that is fantastic pospisil has been good uh the other one oh what's his name uh, zari has been really good as well and it's helped out the team a bit they've been i think seven and five since they made those call-ups and yeah it's been it's been better it's not you know seven and five isn't amazing but if you keep that up you could get into uh, the wild card. Like, I think they're in the wild card right now. They're not, like, dead dead, but I think they, they should. So, word on the street was uh, they did have an eight-year contract on the table for Hannafin, paying them around seven, seven and a half million dollars per season, which isn't bad. I mean, that's... It's a pretty nice contract. It's, uh, again, uh, Calgary's been throwing around a lot of the really long-term deals. And that may be because they're a Canadian team and it's it's harder to keep these keep players around and bring them in. Uh, and, you know, throwing them more security in terms of years and maybe a little bit less money. These guys kind of, they, they like that. And, um, you know, I don't really like that. I don't like that for... Uh, anyone that's not a, like a fucking franchise superstar player, I don't like giving them big, long contracts. It scares me. <laughs> and they usually tend to not work out. But the Hannafin one, you know, that could have been okay. He's 27, 28. So, again, yeah, it's going to take him till he's pretty pretty uh, up there in years. But he's a solid defenseman. I wouldn't have hated it. But it's not like a... It's not a game changer kind of deal or anything. So, if that is the market value uh, potentially for Hannafin, I think other teams would be rather interested in that. Uh, could they? Could they do a sign and trade? I mean, maybe. I mean, would teams be interested in a, in a Noah Hannafin sign and trade? Eight year extension at seven and a half. There would be some teams that would like that. Like. I can't name a team off the top of my head like Vancouver that's just out of their price range uh, for this season but they could potentially bring him in like he's making like four and a half it, it could be something that that could be worked on that would be an unreal ad for the Vancouver Canucks man can you imagine that Noah Hannafin back there Ooh, that would be nice that would be nice but he has come out and said that he doesn't want to play in Canada now that can change weekly who knows maybe he's changed his mind he apparently was willing and wanting to sign that deal but it was the flames that pulled the contract back once they started struggling so 
Good job on the Flames for doing that. No disrespect to like Lindholm and 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 Hannafin and all those guys. I like them. They were good Flames, but the way that the team is going, that is not the direction to lock these guys up for long term. It's already going super bad with Kadri and and Huberto. So why? fucking triple down and, and lock in all the other older guys to seven, eight-year deals just doesn't make any sense to me at this point. So good on them from pulling the contract back. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what's going on. The Flames have just been going, man. I think the the sooner the better to make the decision if they can. Uh, I think the decision has been made. I feel like they are shopping around all of them because uh, Elliot Friedman put out his trade board and like all those Flames guys are like at the top of the list. It's Tanev, Hannafin, um, who's the other guy? Who's the other guy? Zadorov, of course. There we go. So all those guys are up there. So I think they're shopping. I would just, you know, me as a fan, I'm getting a little bit impatient. And I know these things take a lot of time and probably even more time now with how tight the salary cap is for everybody. But I'm getting encouraged with the Vancouver Canucks movement. There's interest, and I feel like things are going to start ramping up here. You know, the, the Leafs are probably looking over there. And maybe maybe that was in hindsight of the Leafs moving uh, Klingberg's $4 million to long-term. They freed up some money, so Vancouver's like, fuck, we better do something. We better free some money up and make that move available. Like, if we don't have the money available and the Leafs throw a deal at Calgary and they're like, all right, we got it because you got the deal and, and you know, Vancouver doesn't have the money, so we're, we're taking yours. So it's going to be interesting. It could, there's probably a third-party team out there that's probably going to swoop up and, and steal them from us like the Bruins or some bullshit. But we'll see. We'll see what's going on with the Flames. Again, I'm staying on, on track with Cell. Cell, Cell, Cell with the Flames. All right, so it has finally happened, everybody. Patrick Kane is a Detroit Red Wing. Interesting. So... That was kind of the the look of what was going to happen last week. I think it was Chris Johnson I was listening to that said like he was his gut feeling was that he was going to Detroit and he doubled down on that. He said, "Yeah, I'm 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 locking in. I'm sticking with Detroit." And bam, he's a Detroit Red Wing. I think the very next day I heard that he he signs. So it's a two point seven five million dollars. But since the season's already begun, it's going to come out to like two million dollars. It doesn't matter because Van, uh, Detroit has the money. And it's interesting. So we get the DeBrincat uh, reunion. They had a great time together in Chicago, DeBrincat and Patrick Kane. Now, uh, the expectations on, on Patrick Kane are very high for some and very, very low for others. So he's coming off of the surgery where every single person that has come back from the surgery has not done well. They did not last long or just didn't come back. Like Ryan Kessler never played a game again after it. We just saw Backstrom go off he la- he was one of the longest lasting ones and he had like 40 something games uh ed jovanoski i think was the longest one on the list he played like 50 something games but that's jovo cop man like that dude built different he's fucking he's different so it's going to be i i think the expectations for him to be you know get right back in there hook up with the bring cat and fuck walk right to a Stanley Cup I don't think that's reality you know Patrick Kane's older now and he's coming off of a major surgery he has been skating he has been doing the best that he can to stay in shape but there is real there's no real way to get into hockey shape other than playing NHL games so he's gonna have to get into some games it is 
they are saying that Patrick Kane's looking to get into the lineup next week. Where does he slot in? I have no fucking idea. There is a ton of, like, good, like, middle top six players on Detroit. There's, like, JT Comfer. There's fucking Raymond. There's so many, like, you're just looking for, like, you have um, DeBrincat and Larkin who are, like, are they elite or is, or is it just crazy chemistry like I know there's so much shade on Larkin over the years like people are like oh he's not a top line center he's a he's a second liner and then he has the start that he's had to this season he's like really like Dylan Larkin man but uh is he elite uh, kind of maybe yeah I don't know but we can kind of determine that Patrick Kane isn't he shouldn't be coming in and lighting up the world for Detroit is he going is it going to be a nice boost I mean absolutely like motivation like oh we're gonna have this legend coming into the locker room three Stanley Cups one of the greatest U.S. born hockey players of all time if he's not like well I mean there's fucking Madano the, the, the legend but he's definitely one of them so it's definitely going to be at least a locker room boost for everybody in there I think organizationally it's a low risk uh high reward type of situation he comes in fine we pay him the money we got the money it's one year if he loves it maybe he comes back if it doesn't work out oh well he walks we can we can put him on waivers we could they can it's not a bit I don't think there's any worry in that it's just going to be really really interesting to see how he how he does when he comes back my expectations are low probably I wouldn't be shocked if like this is how I think at the craziest I bet you he'll get like a goal or an assist he'll get something in the first game and then he might quiet down a little bit but uh hoping for the best for Patrick Kane because it's freaking Patrick Kane man you don't like it's always a good story to see someone come back and just light it up I think it'd be so sick for DeBrincat, Kane, and Larkin to hook up on a line and for it just to be a ton of fun and could Detroit get into a playoff spot this season it's looking tough because he's back everybody the legend Vaseline I call him Vaseline his name is Vasileski Tampa Bay let's talk about it so he's back they got they, the secret weapon is back for the Tampa Bay Lightning and and it looks like it's the light switch is back on for Tampa they look like they're back and ready to go and that's a problem for teams like Ottawa Buffalo Detroit and etc because yeah that it, it, there was a slight window a chance a possibility you know you coming in all right, Tampa's another year past their Stanley Cup wins. They lose another piece here, another piece there. Oh, shit, Vasileski's going to miss the first month and a half, two months or whatever. Ooh, all right, so that's very interesting. And, yeah, you know, Buffalo sputtered out of the gate. Detroit off and running, and then, yeah, they kind of been sputtering out lately. And then Ottawa's just kind of been very up and down throughout the whole entire season. Similar to Buffalo, a little bit better in Buffalo, but... Yeah, so Tampa Bay, they were able to keep their heads above water with the goaltending. I think commendable job from both of those goaltenders. Like, what is his name? Johnson and, and uh, Thomas to something. Anyway, so those guys, good job from them. So, yeah, good job from Tampa as well. Kucherov is just destroying the league right now. He is trying to put uh, make everybody remember, like, hey... I'm fucking good too. I'm I'm not, I'm not just freaking you know, I like Kutrov. He's good. He scares the hell out of me. I've said that before, but Tampa Bay man, look the hell out for them. They're going to be climbing up the the standings, I would imagine pretty quickly. I think the first game there that uh 
Vasilevsky came back, they won like <clears throat> eight to two. So yeah, Tampa Bay is going to be an issue for the Atlantic Division going forward. But good to see Vasilevsky coming back, and he looks good. He looks good so far, playing well. Speaking of playing well, Arizona Coyotes. Now, not so much the team, but I just want a quick shout out for Connor Ingram, man. Like he's been playing really good over there for the Coyotes, and he's just kind of been, you know, it's one of those careers and it's kind of like this for a lot not every goalie but it's more it seems more often and not with goaltenders they they hop around the league they get a game here get a game there and it doesn't really work out and then you know they find a home and it starts working and it looks like maybe uh, I know Connor Ingram's been has he been here for a long time it doesn't matter regardless Connor Ingram the playing pretty freaking good speaking of playing pretty freaking good Nashville Predators whoa bro these dudes are on a freaking six game winning streak right now Whoa, so not long ago, we are talking about Nashville, you know, maybe trading off Soros, you know, there was a connection, Edmonton was maybe very extremely pleased, for the love of God, trade Soros to us, interested, but now that they've won six games in a row, like, how interested are they now, I mean, fuck, dude, I have to shout out Philip Forsberg, holy fuck fuck this dude is doing what he usually does at the back half of the season he's doing it at the beginning this dude is lighting it up man freaking awesome i'm gonna pull up the states for nashville it has been an impressive winning streak i must say they they have gone through some fairly impressive teams i mean beating chicago and colorado all right flames yeah. they demolished st louis eight to three holy jump and they beat winnipeg who is a really strong team right now i think they stopped their winning streak and then the pittsburgh penguins i mean they're they're always a threat with with the fucking superstars that they have there but pretty nice winning streak all those games a lot of those were one goal games minus well three of them uh, minus the st louis game but most of those were pretty tight uh games in terms of scoring man i mean philip forsberg has been ridiculous 21 games 12 goals 15 assists 27 points he has been a lights out he has been fantastic ryan o'reilly man he's got 19 points in 21 games 10 of those are goals so ryan o'reilly has been a fantastic addition for them and i felt like that was a good fit from the from the start uh, ryan o'reilly loves music nashville music city uh, it's a quieter way quieter market than toronto so yeah it's been a fantastic fit for him he's doing way better than I thought Roman Yossi has been getting it going lately he's up to 16 points in 21 Gustav Nyquist has been really good for them he's up to 16 points only three goals but he is getting the points uh Evangelista has been good Tommy Novak they sadly lost him to injury he was doing really well for them he had 12 points in 14 games and uh what's his name here i have him oh do, do, do. where are you Jakob trennan so Jakob trennan he had he was off to a fucking really really low uh, slow start but he is off t- he's been playing really well lately he might be getting more ice time now that um novak has been injured but fucking nashville man they're getting the win sorrows not the most eye-popping stats uh, on paper right now, a 299 goals against and a 900 save percentage with only one shutout. Uh, but he's pulling out the wins right now. Kevin Lankinen playing pretty damn good. 913 save percentage. So, and picking up the wins in five games, he's got three wins. So, pretty damn good for a backup goaltender in Nashville, man. They're they're over they're over NHL 500. They're 11 and 10, fifth in the Central right now. If they keep this up. I mean, obviously, they're going to make it into the playoffs, but you look up and down this roster, there isn't a lot that 
screams out to you, but there's just like a lot of really solid players. Like Dante Fabro is a solid defenseman. They have Ryan McDonough. He's good. Philip Tomasino, he's a solid player. Uh, Carrier's been good. Barry, mm, you know, I was expecting a little bit more out of Barry. He's been kind of eh, but they got this like Kiefer Sherwood has been solid. Novak, Evangelista, they got these young players that you don't hear a lot about, but we might start hearing more about them. If Nashville keeps winning this, could they get to the, you know, the double-digit win streak? Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll be talking about Nashville again next week. But right now, they're on fire, so good for Nashville. And speaking of good, we have uh, some sort of good news for the Ottawa Senators, ladies and gentlemen. Thomas Shabbat is set to return for the Ottawa Senators. So a little bit of good news there for the Sens. They are definitely going to be loving getting their their boy Thomas Shabbat back there. I know Sanderson's been, you know, not doing as amazing as he was at the beginning of the season. Maybe lightening the load with Thomas Shabbat coming back is going to help him out a little bit. But yeah, the Sens could use some help for sure back there. And there's other teams dealing with uh, some injuries here. We got quite a bit of injuries, so... Vegas Golden Knights, Shea Theodore, one of the more underrated defensemen in this league. He will be week to week after having surgery, uh, but the Vegas Golden Knights are so very good at next man up, and they're, they've always been dealing with injuries since day frickin' one. I mean, that first season, they went through 48 goaltenders, 918 players, and they still made it to the Stanley Cup final. Like, what the literal fuck? So I think the Vegas Golden Knights will be just fine. Now, in terms of the New York Islanders, they may not be as fine with Pelic going on long-term injured reserves. One of their better, if not the best, better defensive defensemen on their team. Definitely uh, a good warrior for the for the Islanders, and they've been just struggling at keeping leads, man. It happened again to them this week. They had a good lead, and then bam, I look five minutes later, they let in like three goals in no time, and Sorokin was a net. Like, this is not Sorokin-like for him to... Uh, and it's not all on him. Like, it's just like a team meltdown that they've just been giving up these leads that they've been known to be very difficult to take away from the Islanders. Once they go up a couple goals, good luck scoring a couple goals on Sorokin in the third period or whatever. But this year, it has not been that difficult. And the Islanders are still struggling, man. Like, they were on that big losing streak. They won a couple games playing better. And then, like, it's coming back again. They're starting to fall apart late. And it's like, geez, this is just not normal. New York Islanders hockey, so hopefully they can get out of it, but with losing Pelleg, that's going to make things a lot more difficult. In terms of uh, making things a little bit more difficult now, this is kind of a more sensitive story, but for Colorado, uh, Samuel Girard has entered the Players Assistance Program, and everyone I know, they jump at arms whenever someone enters the program, like, oh, what is it, drugs? Has he got a drinking problem? No, he put himself in there for... Uh, depression and anxiety. He's had. He's been struggling with that for a very, very long time, and he's had enough. He said, I'm going to go get the help that I need, and very, very commendable. You know, I've been in that boat. It's a hard fucking boat to get into, but uh, once you get in there, you know, it's still going to be a rocky ride, and it's not always smooth sailings, but eventually you'll find some calm waters, and the first step is getting in that boat, so good for him getting into that boat and hopefully, you know, come back strong. Colorado, you know, 
they're going to need that defenseman back there. And he's been one of the better defensemen. It sucks that he's overshadowed by so many defensemen in Colorado. Like he's behind McCarr, he's behind uh, Taves, he's behind Byram. But Gerard has been there, man. He's been very, very good. And you know, he helped. He was one of the one of the great additions that Colorado made back then with like Ottawa and Nashville and that Duchesne trade. Samuel Gerard was like a toss-in. He's still there, won a cup, and yeah. So hopefully he can come back after getting the help that he needs. So good on him doing that. That is fantastic. And what is not fantastic? So this isn't fantastic. Fucking New York Rangers. Jacob Truba at it again, everybody. Oh, boy. He's done it again. So he gets fined for a two-hand high stick. Uh, I don't I don't have it written down who it was on. But, uh, yeah, Jacob Truba, his whole career, he's been borderline, you know, always riding the line of controversy with his hits. I'm a fan of his hits, honestly. A lot of his hits are clean. They're just... They fuck the people up, man. Like, a lot of people get angry because, like, yeah, you don't want to see your player getting absolutely devastated. Um, honestly, for me as a Leaf fan, whenever my guys get devastated, I go, good. Like, fuck, keep your head up. Hopefully, they'll teach you a lesson. Like, goddamn. And I'm not, like, I like when people come out and um, defend a player. But when it's a clean hit, like, I don't know. It's such a gray area, right? Like, if they don't. If they don't step up for them, then they're all like, "Oh, you're a bunch of chicken shits. You don't stand up for your teammates." And then if they if they do go in and fight, and then people are like, "Oh, this is why hitting's out of the game. You can't fucking lay a nice clean hit on anybody. You gotta fight." And it's like, okay, okay. So it's basically we can't get anybody happy on this one. But yeah, man, it, it wasn't good. It was a pretty nasty looking situation and I know there's this other camera angle that makes it look less good but regardless like Truba's got this huge long fucking history of this and the biggest greet like the hugest egregious in this whole thing was the was the non-call on the play like it was a clear as day fucking high stick and the referee looking dead at it and he doesn't call anything so maybe that referee should also get fined for being a fucking idiot i don't know i know everyone's like oh we got to stop being so hard on the referees but like jesus h like that is just ridiculous bro so jacob truba gets away with another one i mean what's a five thousand dollar fine on a guy that's making like eight million dollars per season he would gladly do it again so yeah good for him since we're talking about guys making a shitload of money let's talk about the toronto maple leafs and matthews and marner so you know man they're i know that their numbers are pretty good when you when you just look at the numbers you know you're looking at matthews and he's putting up a whole shitload of goals and you got marner he's uh i think over a point a game right now let's just pull up the stats Okay, so we got Austin Matthews here, 20 games. He's got 14 freaking goals, 7 assists, 21 points. Now, on paper, that is phenomenal, right? Well, if you go, if you dive into it game by game, not so much because Austin Matthews has already had three hat tricks this season. So in three games, he scored nine of those goals. Outside of those three games, he has only scored five goals so not as great as it looks right so Matthews has not been scoring very much lately he's a minus two and uh yeah man so I know a lot of the heat is falling on Marner right now but I think Matthews is equally in the exact same boat that Marner is in Matthews has not been 
the $11 million player and next season, the highest paid player in the league player, man. Like he is, it just hasn't been there this season from not, from what I'm watching. Like he's not taking over the games that he, he usually is. He doesn't seem as dominant at taking away pucks and just so dogged in the corners. He's missing shots more often uh, where, you know, it's the Austin Matthews spot money and he's missing them. And it's like, okay, uh, it was a great start. I mean, it looked like out of the gate, like, oh shit, this dude's easily going to be rocking 60 goals with that start. But if you take away fucking the, the three hat trick games, like he has not been all that impressive outside of those three games, man. And, you know, he's not earning that money right now. We need Austin Matthews to, to look dominant on the ice. Like the way that McKinnon looks when he's on the, on the ice, the way that Ovechkin in his prime and Crosby did in their prime. The, the guys, like these guys don't take over the games the way that franchise superstars are supposed to. And same thing with Marner, man. Like Keith has come out and sort of reared back his comments yet again with Marner because Marner is a very, very sensitive young man. He is very sensitive and he cares a lot. He cares a lot, which is good and not good because the way that he's just, he's a little bit immature, man. Honestly, all said and done, he's just immature. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Crosby in his early days. I, there was so much hate for Crosby and how much chirping he did with the referees, how much whining he used to do, and he's definitely cleaned that up. Now, no one's perfect. Everyone still whines and complains, but yeah, if you if you watch Crosby in his early days, it was it was laughable. It was it was it was like really bad. He was, but I mean, he had a right to complain. Like it was a fucking different game back then. Guys were grabbing him and fucking riding him like a horse. It was ridiculous. But Marner now, like it's just the guy wears an A and he slumps around on the ice. He's fucking throwing his head back in frustration. He's smashing sticks. He's screaming at referees all game long during plays, after plays. It's exhausting. And we know we've seen this time and again with players in Toronto, where if you get a bad rap with the referees, they're going to start fucking treating you badly. And they're going to not call things that should be calls. We saw what happened with Michael Bunting. We saw what happened with, uh, Kadri, you name it. There's been so many guys that have come and gone in Toronto and it's not that level. I don't think with Marner, but Refs definitely are probably, like, in the back or during intermission, like, fuck that fucking Marner guy, man. All he does is, and I get it, man. Like, honestly, I don't know why Marner wears an A. I don't think he should wear an A. I don't even think Matthew should wear an A at times. It should be on guys like Giordano. It should be on guys like... Austin Matt or <laughs> just rip it off the put it right back on him. No, not Austin. Uh, should be on guys like Geo, Morgan Riley, even Nylander this year should be wearing an A over Matthews and Marner. And maybe it should just be a little bit of a wake up call. Would it be a wake up call though for Marner, or would he just go to the media? Would he go to his dad? Would he go to fucking whatever and complain about it? Go to his uh, agent and let the agent complain about it on Twitter? Who knows? That's just kind of the way that Marner has been. He's been just not a mature fucking professional on and not really off the ice. Like he's not like. I don't know, man. He's just really annoying to me in that way. And 20 games, he's got 20 points, 5 goals, 15 assists. And he's just not putting up points lately either. Very similar to Matthews. Like, when he has good games, like, it's really good. He'll probably three, four points. But it's that game-to-game that you need out of these guys. And they're not bringing it game-to-game. And they're making it game-to-game money. you got to bring it game-to-game. You're making $11 million. You can't 
take three out of the four games off every single week. Like, it's just baloney. So is this a coaching problem? Is this a maturity problem? Is this maybe Matthews, Marner, these guys feeling like they have too much power? They feel invincible on this team. Is it time to bench these guys? Is it time to scratch one of them for a game? What are they going to do? I feel like, yeah, why not? Fucking scratch Marner or Austin for a game or two and see what the hell happens. Like, I think the team, like, the way that that second line is running, like, would it be the biggest deal to scratch Marner or Matthews for a game just to wake them the fuck up? Because they can't keep this shit up. Like... I feel like like Matthews may be like look at my look at my stats. I got 14 goals in 20 games, but again, you look deep into that, it's not as impressive as it looks. It is impressive, but he should have so many more goals. He should have like 25 freaking goals right now, but he doesn't. And Marner and it like a normal Marner right now would probably be like 28 30 points right now. And he's just Marner, I've been saying this since the beginning of this season has not looked like Marner. Thankfully, Nylander and Tavares has picked up the slack. Like Tavares is he bring that's he honestly earns his money. I know everyone rags on John Tavares. Oh, he's not an 11 million dollar player. I literally heard it at work the other day and I just laughed at him. I'm like, "Bro, Tavares has been like consistent as fuck." The whole time he's been a Leaf. He brings it every game. Who's the one guy that's always playing his hardest during those games where the Leafs don't come? It's always John. I was there live when they got mutilated by the Islanders. 5 nothing. Do you want to know who the only guy was playing that night? John Tavares. So... I think John earns his money. He works hard as fuck to keep his game at a level. And look at him go. He's got 20 points in 20 games, 7 goals, 13 assists, and he's been consistent. Same with Willie. Willie's going overboard, 20 games, 27 points, 12 goals, 15 assists. He's been slowing down a little bit. I know he's gone, what, three games without a point. The streak is over at 17. Still extremely impressive. How impressive is that? Now, I don't want him to rest on his laurels like maybe Matthew is. Matthews is right now. I got 14 goals. I'm at the top of the league. Bear, bear, bear. Now, they, they're superstars. They could turn it on, hopefully, in an instant. But it hasn't happened yet. I need these guys playing like Willie and John. I need you to bring it every single year. And even Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley's been unreal this season, bro. He has continued exactly what he did in the playoffs last year. This is what a healthy Morgan Riley plays like. Last year and a half or so he just hasn't been healthy and now it looks like a nice healthy Morgan Riley 20 games 16 points solid as fuck so really liking what I'm seeing out of at least three of the big stars on Toronto but it's the two biggest ones that I'm disappointed with right now Austin and Mitch you gotta pick it the fuck up and hopefully they pick it the fuck up tonight they got a game tonight against the Kraken so they better beat the Kraken that's at the team you should be able to beat man like so calling out Matthews and Marner for big games tonight. I better freaking see it. I think they have been moving. They've moved um, Marner's and Matthews around. I think they might have put Marner with with uh, Tavares, and they're going to play around with that, try Willie with Matthews again, because there's always been success with that. I, I, I always liked Marner with Tavares. Like That was the season where Tavares scored 47 goals because he was playing with Marner, and it was really, really nice. And yeah, I don't know. I think maybe Matthews might play better with Willie. It might drive him to play a little bit harder because he doesn't have 
uh, that slick pass that Marner has. And, and I don't know. He might have to work a little bit harder if he's playing with Willie. We'll see, man. We'll see. Just right now, it's not up to snuff. Like, if the Leafs keep kind of playing this, they may not make Like, I don't think they're as safe as people. Like, everyone's talking. Oh, Leafs are fine. They're making the playoffs. We're, we're talking like it's, it's official and it's all said and done. But they're third in the Atlantic. They only have 25 points. And the big thing is that they've only won five games in regulation this season, which is down there with, like, San Jose and shit. Or, uh... I think it was Columbus they're down there with. So not ideal, man. They're not winning games in a in a sustainable way. They're down more often than they're up. They're down towards the bottom of the league in that stat as well. They're they're generally behind. And it's not it's not a winning it's not a way you're not gonna continue that. Like eventually the castle is going to crumble and playing from behind all the time is gonna wear you down fast. You're gonna be exhausted by playoffs again. So they've been fucking saying this for years and years they got to learn how to play with a lead and keep it and they've not been able to do that for like 10 years now so something that they got to look forward to working on and they better work on it also Giordano is week to week so it's going to get even harder I think he's a heart and soul guy in that locker room like how motivating is it to have the oldest guy in the NHL playing on your blue line and he brings it he fucking brings it man he really does he tries every single game so, there it is. They didn't have a great week. I mean, losing to Chicago, again, super fucking annoying. The loss to Pittsburgh. And then the ridiculous shootout win over... Who the fuck did they do that to? I don't remember, but... Oh, man, that was just ridiculous. Noah Gregor's just... No, no, no. Matumbo. <laughs> do you think you win this game? That's just how stupid the shootout is, man. They gotta figure out something with that. They gotta get rid of that stupid shootout. It's so dumb. It's not hockey. It's... I mean, yeah, it's an effective way, I guess, to end the game within a reasonable amount of time. But can we at least just try the 10-minute three-on-three? Just try it? Like, what's wrong with giving it a shot? Just try it for a week. What's wrong with that? And be like, oh, fuck, this this is way better. So, I don't know. There's just yeah, NHL that's unlike doing that kind of stuff. So, yeah, well, I think that's everything that I want to talk about this week. And, uh, yeah, so thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, what I have planned for this week, it's a toss-up in terms of the Gamer Cast. I want to do a versus, but I haven't, like, solidified what years I'm trying to do. I know it's 2007. I'm pretty locked in on that's the year. But I'm trying to figure out what's the best opponent in that generation to throw up against it. I've, I've played with 2008, 9, and 10, and even 11. So it's going up against one of those years. Going to do a versus, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So you can check that out. Going to be throwing that up probably Saturday. So that can be, that'll be fun. WrestleCast, I think I finally have a weekend where there isn't a pay-per-view. So uh, just get to hopefully relax a little bit and just do a normal WrestleCast without a whole bunch of extra pay-per-views. I think I get a couple weeks before there's NXT pay-per-view coming up. So there will be a wrestling recap should be up for you on Sunday and or well, not and or. Is it Sunday or Monday? There you go. That's just wrong grammar straight up. And you can listen to these on, uh, or you can watch these even on YouTube, GamerGX videos. You can follow the links down below. There's a Twitter page where I put up announcements. I tossed up the, you know, the what years should I should I maybe talk about against 07? Because, you know, 07 is a banger of a year. But there's some, like, in each of the years I was looking at, like, 8, 9, 10, like, there's 
fucking good games in all of those years too so it's it's going to be interesting i'll pick a year at some point and we'll be talking about it so that'll be a lot of fun and as always thank you guys so much you want to help me out even more hit that little review button you know subscribe on the youtube drop a comment drop a freaking comment on the youtube channel send an email drop a question you want to have a question answered live on the podcast i'd love to do that just send them on in anything related to hockey video games or wrestling there you go that's the third one yeah send them on in or just questions about the podcast whatever all good love to answer your questions so as always thank you so much for listening we'll be back again soon with more gx plus cast